Jets fans, welcome to the Football Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Another tearful reunion between myself and Marty Lyons. And we have a special surprise guest coming up in about five or six minutes. But Marty, first of all, I want to know how many uh, marbles you still have rolling around in your head right now that we're all still in for the foreseeable future uh, trapped in our houses. You know what, Bobby? I don't know how many marbles I had before this started, but uh, I, I'm doing well. You know, I get up every morning. I have an hour conference call with the people from uh, the Lantech group and make sure that we're trying to do as best as possible for all our employees. Then I'll go out and walk anywhere from four to seven miles. And I keep track of how many days I've been out of the office because I try to walk every day. So I know I've been out 23 days. So. Uh, all is well, you know, and it gives you time to reflect. And every time that you turn the TV on, you get a whole new appreciation for the doctors and the nurses and the volunteers and everybody that's on the front line uh, going out there trying to do the best that they can to protect us. And I think if all of us can do the best that we can by staying at home and staying, you know, uh, away from other individuals and we're doing our part. That's all you can do right now as we make it through this difficult time. Four to seven miles. Every yeah, day. Four, to seven, four to seven miles a day. And, you know, I just uh, started walking and all of a sudden, you know, it went from two miles to four miles to six miles. And you just keep walking. It's one of those things that, you know, as long as you can keep counting and I count in paces of 50 and then I'll go back to one and, you know, I just keep the legs moving. You're like the Forrest Gump of walking. <laughs> yeah, you know, I might be, but it's a, it's a, what else am I going to do? You know, no, you no, got to no, find no, yourself no. something else to do. I started reading a couple books and then you start to watch different shows on the TV. And then I always find myself tuning into, you know, Fox News or CNN and you jump back and forth and, you know, you can get depressed, but I, I, I have to commend the, you know, Governor Cuomo and Governor Murphy have done an excellent job uh, trying to keep the people of, our, of New York and the people of New Jersey safe. I, I have to commend them. Yeah, I agree. They've done a great job. And I mean, I played golf with you. When you play golf, you walk a minimum of nine miles with where you hit it. So <laughs> probably right about. You know, I mean, yeah, but it would be nice if you give me a mulligan every now and then on a tee shot. That would be helpful. Yeah, well. Yeah, long and wrong is your nickname for a reason. Um, <laughs> hey, you know what? You you know, it, it is amazing. And I'm sure Jet fans and anybody listening to this podcast, everyone's kind of going through the same thing. You know, I we're not in prison, but it kind of feels like that. I, I kind of compared to what everyone's going through right now, it's almost like it's a medium security prison. Like you're allowed to walk around outside and maybe visit with people who are 20 feet away. But you know, it just, it's just, it's unbelievable not being able to live your life. And on top of that, how slow and fast time goes. I, there's that uh, an unbelievable movie, if, if people haven't seen it, the uh, movie In the Name of the Father with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. He plays that uh, character, Jerry Conlon, who was wrongly convicted of a crime and spent about 20 years in jail. And there's this one scene where he's talking about kind of the concept of time. And it's like drip, drip, drip. You like can't believe how long it takes for five or ten minutes to go by, and all of a sudden you blink and years have gone by. It's just we're all kind of in that in, in our own weird way right now. I can't believe we've been doing this for a month. 
You know, it was it was almost exactly a month ago. I was in Kansas City at the Big 12 basketball tournament and they canceled it and sent us home. And now a month later, we're still in this same cycle of having to sit home. And I guess you're right, do our part. But we based on at least the numbers that the governors are talking about in both of our two states. And we're the two hardest hit states in the country right now. um, We're having an impact. We're definitely having a positive impact. Yeah, and you know what, Bobby, it gives you a chance to reflect and just realize how fortunate we really are, uh, both you and I, to be doing what we're doing, doing it, you know, be associated with the New York Jets. And you kind of look back and say, wow, where did 19 years go? And then all of a sudden, you know what, reality sets in that all these people dying from coronavirus are dying alone. And, and you think about how sad that is. And you think about a guy that we have worked with for 19 years, Dave Shapiro, he lost his father and mother within seven days uh, uh, of losing one another. I mean, that, and you don't have a chance to have a, a, a wake. You don't have a chance to have a funeral. And there's no real closure because you never had a chance to say goodbye. And that's the hard part that this deadly disease is doing to every one of us. So I think that for all of us staying at home, we need to take time to reflect and realize, you know, just how fortunate we are and realize that all the gifts that we have around us, uh, use them to the best of our abilities. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was going to complain about being stuck in my house, but, you know, you're good at that, making me feel like a jerk. And so that's... Uh, <laughs> It's kind of your specialty, Mr. Charity, Mr. Foundation, and I'm the idiot that. Well, that, that's another issue, Bob. I, I, you know what? We've already we've already canceled three, maybe four uh, fundraisers, and you know if I can't get get the golf tournament in in the uh, second Monday in July, the Foundation, I'm going to be in trouble. You know, we're a mom and pop shop. That uh, last year we were a little short on bringing in money and. Start of January, we had 81 kids in the pipeline. And with all these, you know, charity events being canceled, I think I'm just like every other nonprofit. Everybody's struggling at this point. And, you know, if I can't get that big golf tournament off in uh, July, then we're going to have some problems. Well, we will use the Jets and my vehicle and your vehicle to get the word out there, if that's the case, and try and drive. Well, we hope so. Yeah, I I actually uh, just did kind of spur of the moment uh, GoFundMe. And if Jet fans are out there, you can go on GoFundMe and search my name and you'll find it. I mean, I was able to raise about $7,000 in, I don't know, 72 hours to bring food to area hospitals. And it's easy, you know, I mean, people donate and then you're able to kind of spin the money around and go to some local restaurants it's a win-win because the restaurant gets some takeout orders, which, of course, that's the only thing that a lot of them are subsisting on right now. And I'm able to bring that up to some area hospitals. And uh, I guess it's a good time to bring in our surprise guest, by the way, because um, I'm married to her. My wife, Julie, is sitting right here. And she, about three weeks ago, decided as a registered nurse that she was frustrated because she felt like she wasn't doing anything. And so, all right, lean in here, honey. Hi, Marty. Hello, Julie. 
I just miss you. I love you. I love Christine and um, I love the Jets and I'm really happy to be here with Bobby. This is like an exciting event right now. We've just been kind of like here every night looking at each other and <laughs> decided what, <Yeah. laughs> what kid to yell at and, you know, what movie are we going to watch? And, you know, now we have uh, an event. We're here with you and I'm so glad. Uh, yeah, well, like three weeks ago. You know, I'm uh, sitting with Bobby. We're watching the news and um, saying I've got to do something. I'm a registered nurse, but um, about five years ago, I opened a performing arts studio in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, with my good, good friend, um, Stagecraft Studio. It's spectacular. We love it. Um, but that's what I've been doing. And I said, you know, I really need to help now. I feel I kind of feel like a jerk. I'm like in home in my nice, safe house. While uh, my other fellow nurses and healthcare professionals are out on the front lines, and um, I ended up seeing my other great friend Kathleen Olin, and a Jet fan herself, and she's also a registered nurse. I saw her in the shop right, and she said, "Jewel, you, we got it." I got in touch with um, the Medical Reserve Corps and uh, for our county, and. Um, she hooked me up with this lovely woman. Her name is Lovely Randall. And the next thing I knew, about two days later, we were at the uh, Kane University COVID-19 testing site, which they had one week to put together. The National Guard and our county officials put this together, and now it's become the gold standard of the of the entire state. I, they have other people from other counties coming to see what we've done. And it's it's unbelievable. I was blown away. I feel um, proud to be a part of it. It's a very safe and well operation. Last yesterday, we saw 500 patients. I my team of three nurses saw three uh, uh, 100 patients. Um, it's a very uh, well run system. Basically, the cars pull up after getting a health screen um, through a phone call the day before and then they are told to show up they get registered at the front of the line uh they basically match up their id and their uh slip to get the test it's tucked into their windshield they get an x made out of soap on the car window that's uh the designated person to receive the test and they wind through this line and then the national guardsmen send them into one of the tents and we're in the tent, and it's a team of three nurses, and we communicate with the patients, holding up signs because we don't want them opening their window if they don't have to. Their windows are closed 90% of the time. We swab them, and out they go. They get the results in about three days. It's a very efficient system, but at the same time, the whole thing is surreal. Every day we're out there, we're looking at each other saying, I cannot believe we're here this is absolutely bizarre. We're in a testing site. It's like a movie. It's like being in a science fiction movie. But we are well protected. We are in full PPE. Our safety is their, you know, the National Guard in the county, that is their main focus, is our safety. And uh, it's been going well. I'm proud to be a part of it. I'm humbled to be a part of it. I can't believe they put it together so quickly and so efficiently. It's so, Marty, you're you're like the example. Yeah. You're like the foundation, well, you help the kids. So we both felt guilty. We were sitting here like schlunkers, so I had to start the GoFundMe, and she had to go to the drive-up testing site. And now we're both volunteering, and um, 
I don't know. I guess we all feel like we're doing our part to try and get through this. We got to get yeah, through this. You know what, Julie? What was the what was Bob's first reaction? Because you now you're putting yourself in harm's way with the beautiful family that you guys have. Uh, I commend you for doing that. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you're doing it. But what was Bob's first reaction when you said, hey, you know yeah, what? He wasn't happy. Yeah. He wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I can understand that. Yeah, he was with me when I saw my girlfriend Kathleen in the in the shop right and we hatched this plan. And he was like, he made, he kept looking at Kathleen. He was like, shut up, Kathleen. Yeah, thanks a lot, Kathleen. Great. Yeah, great. Okay, let's go. We gotta go get more, you know, more cereal. Let's go. And you know, but he was kidding because obviously I think he knew that it was gonna happen. I was I was kinda kidding. <laughs> yeah, kinda kidding. Sort of like, you know what, Julie, when your heart opened up when uh that earthquake happened back in two thousand and ten over in Haiti. You tried to talk Bob into maybe adopting some uh, a baby from over there. So, like well, I said, that's not what happened. I mean, I'm not. Yeah, that didn't close that door completely. That's great. I, and that's <laughs> that really just you know makes me think of you because honestly, I didn't go to Haiti on those health missions until you went. You inspired me, and that's why I've been there. Well, I tell you, yeah, but. You know what, Julie? It is it is inspiring to go over there and see the the type of world that those kids have to grow up into, and the environment that they have around you. And it just kind of makes you feel good that you know what, even if you're over there for a day or you know a couple of days, you know you're making a difference. And when you leave, you you realize that it wasn't you didn't just make a difference for them; you made a difference for yourself. You come back and you look at everything a little bit differently and you feel better about it and you can share that experience with the kids. I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is I want them to feel like um, good things happen when you're brave. You know, that's like the, the thought that I want to try and get across to him to them. But the thing with Haiti and with the thing that's happening now, what I said to Bobby was that, it's um, this heightened sense of all of your feelings. When I'm in Haiti and as uh, when I'm in the testing site, you're feeling um, nervous. You're feeling um, confused sometimes about what's going to happen next. You're feeling hopeful for the people that you're taking care of. You're feeling inspired by the other people that you're working with. You're feeling all of these emotions all at once. And that's how I feel when I'm in Haiti, and that's how I feel now. Honestly, it's uh, and that and that's exhausting. <laughs> that you know to be feeling all those emotions um, at once at such a heightened level. And I I felt a lot better about it once I saw what they were you know strapping them into when they went to this. And that site. made all the difference. Yeah, when, when I, they when yeah. they first went, we didn't know. And they didn't know what they were walking into. I mean, all right, know. all right, we're going to go volunteer at a drive-up testing site. Okay, well, we're registered nurses. Let's go help. And then they sent me a picture, and they've got the face shield on. They've got the full, you know, gown on. They've got three or four pairs of gloves on. They're taped in. I mean, they, they, we actually feel more endangered at the grocery store than I think they feel at the testing site. We do. Yeah. You know what, Julie, being that you're on that front line, how much longer do you think that America is, is going to be, you know, running these tests before we can really get back to having a normal day, a normal life? 
Right. Yeah. That's of course the million dollar question. I mean, and that adds to, you know, the, the confusion and the uncertainty of it. But I mean, I definitely think it's, it, you have at least another two months. Another two months. Wow. At least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we're going to be locked down for another two months, no. but I think they're going to be testing people pretty regularly for, for the foreseeable future. And I hope we don't, but I can't wait for this job to end. Yeah. I'm happy to do it, but I can't wait for it to be over. And this will just be the, you know, it's the main parking lot of this beautiful school. And I just. And there's nobody know, there. And there's no kids. And it's just, you know, it's like. Just another level of all the weirdness that's going on. But well, I think I speak for a lot of us, a lot of the Jet fans and uh, just the people that maybe you don't hear from every single day. But thank you for what you're doing. And, you know, thank we really you, do appreciate it. Make sure that you tell all the doctors and nurses how much we appreciate them. And, you know, we'll just I keep will. praying. There's a lot of Jet fans at the testing site. There's a lot of Jet fans, a lot of Jet stickers on the cars, lots of fans. I don't get any chance to talk to them because I basically am like, okay, open your window, let me swab you. Okay, two cares. See you never, bye. Get a minute now. Yep, and these are these are now uh, and these are now Julie's people in a way that she never expected that they would be because she legitimately has become a lunatic Jet fan over the last. Uh, you know, 12 to 15. You and I have been doing this for 18 years. I love that. I, I would say the first two or three years that we did this, she was, you know, kind of a fan and grew. But by the time we were like three or four years in, I mean, she became a borderline face painter. Like, I think oh, she's yeah. on that level. I didn't grow up in an NFL house. My dad loved Notre Dame. My brother went to Virginia Tech. I went to Villanova. We were college sports people i didn't have that feeling when bobby got the job i was like that's nice honey here's some spaghetti and meatballs good for you i'm so happy <laughs> and now it's like ah, i love the well, well hey you know what julie throw into the mix with katrina singing the national anthem the way that she has the last couple of years that's, that's my just, Christmas present. That's been my Christmas present for the past wow. two years. Oh, the most that's, beautiful. That's just an unbelievable moment. It is amazing. My, you know, Bobby's, you know, giving her the thumbs up out the press window, and she's down there. And that girl, man, she's got some pipes. She yeah. I, I, gave she the, I gave her the volume. I don't know where the rest of it came did. from, but you I definitely yeah, which, she, accounted for projection. What she probably doesn't see is seeing Bob wipe his eyes. Yes, well, I'm up there, you know, but I've got enough of a buffer that she might not be able to see the full emotion on me. Oh, but uh, but I want to I want to thank my bride for everything that she's doing and for joining us here on the official Jets podcast. Thanks so much, Bob. All right, Julie, you stay safe. We love you. Thank you. Love you. Bye-bye, Marty. Marty, we got to do a little football here because, you know, this is a football podcast as well, and the draft is a couple of weeks away. And, um, I mean, right now it's our escape to talk about football, free agency, and who the Jets might take and sitting there at 11. I don't know. I mean, from everything that you've read, everything that you've heard, whoever you've talked to, like what do you – right now, if you had to make your best guess – 
at what you think you're, they are going to do, what do you think it's going to be? You know what, Bobby? I, I'm thinking that they're going to go with a wide receiver. I know that they've rebuilt the offensive line. They already have four new offensive linemen that they got during the free agency period. I think they got to give Sam some help on the outside. You got Perriman coming in, uh, but you still need somebody to compliment him. So I, I would hope that they would, you know, lean to the offensive side, get a wide receiver. Maybe in the second round you can get an offensive tackle. And then, of course, you need to get a pure pass rusher. you got to get somebody off the edge that can beat the, uh, a tackle one-on-one and without blitzing a lot. So, you know, I think that uh, Joe Douglas has done a fantastic job. He hasn't gone out and opened up the bank and overspent. I think he's bringing in some quality players. There's going to be good competition at both the offensive line and the middle linebacker position because they got quite a few players in there. And I think if you have that open competition and you fit into the system and you don't make a lot of mental mistakes, and the biggest issue is you got to stay healthy. I mean, look how many players the team ended with IR last year. I remember talking to Chris Johnson at the end of the season. I said, Chris, I don't know what it is, but I've never seen this many players on an IR list at the end of the year. Something's yeah, not right. You know, I, what I, said, I mean, I know that, you know, they ended up with, uh, you know, whatever, winning six out of the last eight and ended up with seven wins. If you would have told me at the start of the year, these are the injuries, these are the guys that are going to be out, and here has cumulative how long they'll be out for, I would have thought there would have been a four-win, maybe a five-win team losing all of those guys for the time that they lost them. So I agree. I think they did well last year to be as competitive as they were. Having said that, um, let me put it this way, because I, I'm not 100% sure that I agree that they're going to go with a wide receiver in the first round. I guess I, I think going with a wide receiver in the first round is a no-brainer if all four of those tackles are all off the board by the time they get to eleven. But let me put it this way. Let's say the their number one tackle is on the board at 11 and their number one wide receiver is on the board at 11. They just get lucky. And however they have the tackles graded, their number one guy actually drops to them at 11 and you still have whoever, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb or whoever their number one wide receiver is. Given that, do you still think they would go with a wide receiver or do you think they would take the tackle if the guy they had rated highest was available at 11? You know what, Bobby, that's a good question. I think Joe Douglas, being an offensive lineman, he may lean a little bit more to getting that fifth offensive lineman in there and try to, build some, try to build something in front of Sam. Um, but you know what? you got to look, too, and see if Quincy Anua, if, if he's going to be back. You know, he had that neck injury last year. If he's back and they, the medical staff knows that he's going to be back, I mean, that goes into the draft decision that Joe Douglas and the coaching staff have to make also. Yep. So, yeah. if and, we, and so, you know, they've got a high two. They've got two high threes because I don't care what anybody says. It's still highway robbery what they did with the Giants with Leonard Williams. So, I mean, the Giants pick is what the fourth pick in the third round, and then they got their pick in the third round in an historically deep wide receiver draft. That's why I, I put these odds on it. I think it's 70% that they're going to take a tackle 
at number 11, because I think one of those four guys is going to be available. And I still think that that's a glaring need, even with what they did bring in George Fanton, even with the guys that they've signed, unless they pull a stunner and trade for Trent Williams, I think they will have tackle as a major need. So if you feel like tackle is a major need and you can get that in the first round and you can still address wide receiver in the second or third round, I think they're going to take a receiver. They might take two before the draft is over. But I put it at about 70% they'll take a tackle, assuming one drops to 11. About 20% that they'll take a receiver, because that could definitely play out if the four tackles all go. Or if they've got like, you know, whatever, Jerry Judy as the third best player in the draft, and he drops to 11, even if a tackle's there. You might say, well, I just, I can't not take my third best player, so I'm going to take him there. And I left 10% as an out that let's just say for the sake of argument, like Akuda or Isaiah Simmons, one of these really tremendous, you know, maybe perennial pro bowler defensive players drops to that spot. And they also maybe have that player third or fourth overall on their board. And they're just stunned. I can't believe that guy's there at 11. You know, you might take that guy too. So, I mean, I think all of that, is in play, but I, you know, I think it just, they're going to have to read what the board brings them at 11 based on what happens in those top 10 picks. And, you know, unless somehow you've got, you know, spies in every other front office, you know the top 10 are going to go. And so they're going to be, I think, in kind of a read and react mode. Well, also, Bobby, I was reading today about Jamal Adams and, you know, whether the Jets are really going to try to sign him to a long-term contract or, is he going to be waved again out there? And maybe there's a team that might want to trade for him. Uh, I think Jamal Adams is you one heck of a player. I, I don't know. know but but well, here, th- this was the trade that was kind of thrown out there hypothetically. If the Cowboys were still interested in Jamal Adams, um, you know, I think they've got the 17th pick, if memory serves. So would you trade Jamal Adams for the 17th pick? and maybe the Cowboys' number two pick as well? No, I would not. Not for two picks. I think if you throw a player in there, then I might consider it. I I really think Jamal Adams is, you know, certainly he's a star player for the Jets, and I think he's a true leader on that defense. And I think, too, that he adapted pretty well to, um, you know, Greg – Williams, you know, his the defense coordinator put him in places that he could come up with big plays. Now, can you replace him? I think one thing that you realized last year is that with so many players getting hurt, everybody can be replaced. But when you replace them with somebody with less talent, you're going to have worse results. So I, I yeah, think that Jamal Adams also – Jamal Adams is a cultural player in your locker room. Like, he's just a natural-born leader. And he's just one of those guys. You were that way. I remember watching you and, like, you know, you you obviously weren't a, a perennial pro bowler, a Hall of Famer, but you brought a quality to the Jets that only the guys in the locker room that were around you, I think, realized that you brought. And Jamal Adams is – I mean, Jamal Adams could be a Hall of Fame safety. But Jamal Adams does bring some of what you brought you know, in a, in, a, in a way as a leader and as a, you know, an emotional kind of um, barometer with that team that, 
I, that that's hard to replace. That that's an intangible that I'm not sure everybody realizes. You're also trying to replace if you get rid of a player like that. Yeah, you're exactly right, Bob. Because you know what, uh, football is a very emotional game. You have to play it with emotion, and you know it's contagious also. And Jamal Adams has a way of bringing out the best of his teammates. He just, you know, sometimes he may go over the top a little bit, but that's his personality. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, again, what Joe Douglas does with that. But, again, the communication lines from everything that I'm hearing from the Jets, from, you know, Joe Douglas to Adam Gaze to the coaching staff and the scouts that they have, everybody's in one room talking about the players. It's not – a closed door meeting with just Joe Douglas and his staff and the coaches not having some sort of an input. That's why I think this is going to be a valuable year. And this is the year that you can judge whether Adam Gaze and Joe Douglas and where the future of the jets are going to go because they're bringing in their players. Last year they had to coach somebody else's players. And yep. unfortunately, you know, going seven and nine, you have to restructure it to, the NFL team will never be the same as it was last year. It's a constant change, and uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get to know some of these new faces. You know, you you read about the players coming in, and you've built relationship with players from last year, and they're no longer there. And, and we've seen a lot of rotation of players over the last 19 years, but to see Jordan Jenkins get re-signed and a guy that I will always really – enjoyed watching you know was James Burgess they're going to bring him back so yeah you know you're excited about uh seeing what they can do with a whole new roster and, and, and Jordan uh, Jenkins is the perfect example of one of those guys there's a cultural effect to having him in the locker room that unless you're around Jordan Jenkins and you hear him you know you, you hear him talk you hear how his teammates react to him. You you know, you you see the role that he plays from a leadership standpoint on that team. You just you don't totally get it. Um, because I mean he may not be an all pro on the field, but there's a trickle down effect on that defense having him there. There just is. Well, you know what, Bobby, I think he would be an all pro player if they didn't go seven and nine. You know, unfortunately, unfortunately, a lot of players fly underneath the radar and they're not getting voted into the Pro Bowl uh, because of the team record. Um, so I, I think Jordan can he can definitely go out there and perform like that. And I think if the Jets go maybe 11 and five or 10 and six, you'll see him at a Pro Bowl. And it'll he be might. interesting to see if uh, Avery Williamson can come back. Yep, yeah, they should have some pieces on defense this year that they didn't have last year, at least on the front seven. Hopefully they can stay healthy, and hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again, uh, Marty. So I want Jet fans out there to understand that COVID-19 has forced the cancellation of some of your foundation's biggest fundraisers. So go to the Marty Lyons Foundation and give what you can because Marty's trying to make these wishes come true for these families and these kids that desperately needs everybody's help. And, you know, we just, we're not able right now to have the, the, the events that would normally raise the funds to make these wishes come true. Uh, you can certainly go to GoFundMe and search my name and hopefully my name will pop up and you can donate some money um, to my GoFundMe because we are going to uh, continue to deliver food from takeout spots to hospitals uh, in New Jersey and, and suburban New York City to 
get some meals to the frontline workers who are fighting this battle for us. Um, and one of the spots, actually, that I'm delivering food to next Thursday is going to be the testing site where my wife, Julie, who joined us earlier on the podcast, will uh, will be there doing the drive-up testing. So we're all trying to do our part, Marty, and, uh, and hopefully uh, folks will understand that uh, they need to get to the Marty Lyons Foundation website and, and give some money because this is this is the time you need it. Well, the big thing, too, is, you know, let everybody know that, uh, you know, I said it on the last podcast that we did, Bob, that, you know what, when you're sitting there doing nothing, take out your Rolodex, take out your phone, call somebody that you haven't talked to in a while and just see how they're doing. You know, yep. that means a great deal to the person on the other end of the phone, because, you know what, maybe you haven't had a con- uh, conversation with them and in a year, two years, three years, maybe you had a little bit of a falling out and you just call them up and you say, hey, I was thinking about you today. And you hang up the phone and trust me, you'll feel a lot better that you did it. And on the other end, they're going to be shaking their head going, wow, I wish I had done it first. Yep, absolutely. Well, it was great talking to you, partner. And uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do this again soon. And Jet fans, stay healthy, stay safe. This is the official Jets podcast. Powered by Amazon Web Services, Bob and Marty Lyons. My thanks to my wife, Julie, as well, for joining us. And we'll talk to you next time. And hopefully it'll be under better circumstances as we move on through this offseason. Jet fans, stay healthy and stay safe.